Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast. My name is Daniel Barnes. My co-host, as always, is comedian Corky McDonald. Corky, say hi to the nice people. Peaches and herb, everybody. Peaches right, and herb. Right, right, right. On this week's little mini episode, we're going to talk about the movie we will be reviewing next week on the show. I'm going to tease it out because I'm a tease. Right. I also like how that implies that they have not looked at the title of this Don't episode. Don't look at the title of the episode, you Where, jerks. Wherever they're getting this from, they've blacked out. It's redacted. The true fans would do that. Yes. True fans would do it. If you are into his, the teases as much as Dan is into teasing you, you would do that for us. Humor me, for God's sakes. Would it kill you? We're going to talk about the film we reviewed last week that's called Heart Condition. I don't need to tease it because we no. already reviewed it. Yeah. We're going to answer our question of the week. Interesting question this week. Top five directors. Yeah. Just boom. Top five directors. That's Doesn't it. have to That's do the question. any of the movies we're watching. No. Nope. Fuck you. We want to do something different. Yeah. Let's talk about good movies for once. You don't tease yourself for us. <laughs> or maybe you do. Thank you. And we're going to read a few of your movie dares. But first of all, let's start with the tease that I was teasing earlier. I want to start with the Mr. Tease. Because <laughs> I pity you suckers. Next week, we are reviewing really kind of a legend yeah. of of quote-unquote bad movies it is the infamous 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 it means more than famous 1987 box office bomb ishtar written and directed by elaine may starring dustin hoffman and warren Beatty as singer songwriters part they were born to play mistaken for spies and caught up in middle eastern espionage let's listen to a trailer for ishtar three two three four four two three and these men are pawns. I put a price of 20,000 dirham on their heads. Next, they will be hailed as the two messenger of God. They were just a couple of songwriters who came to Ishtar to break into show business. Easy, boy. Easy, boy. Easy, boy. What the hell's the matter with him? Is he blind? Well, yeah, he is, but, but he's in perfect condition. So how do they wind up on everyone's hit list? Life is in danger. Behave normally. We have a gun pointed at your back. No, don't put your hands up, you idiot. I can't believe these men may control the fate of the Middle East. Messengers of God dead yet. Is this the oasis? The Does earth. this look like an oasis to you? Yeah, look at the birds. Are those vultures? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just... Oh, are you? He's aiming at it. Will you stop me? Paranoid! Smuck! They're trying to kill us! Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman, Isabella Johnny. Your girl! How did she get to be your girl? Ishtar, written and directed by Elaine May. (laughs) This is some of our best work. So that was Ishtar, the 1987 comedy that essentially ended the directing career of Elaine May. Took a big hit to the reputation of everybody involved. Lost a ton of money, went way over budget. It was a really 
notorious production. It was cataloged in the press. It really uh, was a bad... For a a solid decade, this was the punchline for terrible movie, box office bomb. The stand-in for a bad movie is just to say Ishtar, essentially. I think Waterworld kind of took it. Exactly, a.k.a. Fishtar. Yeah. However... The reputation has improved in recent years, so it'll be a really interesting one to look at. And maybe we have another sleepaway camp on our hands where, hey, this is a maligned movie that was uh, forgotten in its day and discarded. And yet, over the years, we've realized there's it was actually maybe a little bit ahead of its time. Daniel, are you teasing again? I'm teasing are again. Are you teasing? Once Everybody, again, I'm get teasing. your tease pajamas on because Daniel's teasing. Yeah, take a drink. I'm being a tease. Oh! Do it again. Mr. Tease. Because I'm making a real coy face right now. <laughs> His fingers are to his lips. A dog is tearing his bathing suit bottom away. <laughs> so Ishtar, if you want to play along at home, maybe you've never seen Ishtar. You're yeah. kind of you're always curious, like what was the big deal about Ishtar? Because when I was it came out when I was eleven, when you and I were eleven. Yeah. And I just remember it being for years, it, it took me a while to actually watch it. And for it was just that was supposedly the worst movie that had ever been made. Yeah. So if you've never seen it, we're always curious. Check out Ishtar. It's available to run on most VOD services. So now we're going to talk about the film we reviewed last week. That was a film starring Oscar-winning actor Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. uh, one of one of the all-time greats, Bob Hoskins, R.I.P. Award-winning actress Chloe Webb. Chloe Webb, a fine actress from the largely known for her work in the 1980s. It was a real piece of shit yeah. <laughs> called Heart Condition. Heart Condition. Corky, anything to add to our review of Heart Condition? I No. No. Which is probably the biggest sin of this movie that stars <laughs> Denzel and Bob that it so doesn't resonate at all. Right. It's so utterly beneath the both of them. Yeah. It's, it's kind of insane. And this is well before the era of actors commonly doing things that were well beneath them you know what i mean like now and it's in the superhero comic book age everybody's just going to walk on in front of a green screen and do some kind of bullshit cameo like nobody has any real pride anymore but this is like 1980s like there was still a lot of like man denzel washington that's a really good actor sure. bob Hoskins, that's a really these guys like they were at a point where they were really being pushed into the next level. Denzel, well, didn't you say like this came out the month he won for glory? He won the Oscar for glory. <laughs> Absolutely. Bob Hoskins had just been in Mona Lisa. I think uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out the year before that or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, quite an accomplishment for them to have come together to made such a horribly racist movie at, at that time in their careers. One thing I would say is for anybody listening, if you uh, don't want to take the full step to watching the movie, Go watch the trailers for this movie, but watch more than one because you will see the studio had no idea how to market this right. movie. There's a jaunty, funny trailer, like a slapstick yeah. comedy, and then there's a serious-toned slap-based jazz <laughs> trailer. <laughs> Which is kind of appropriate yes, for this movie because exactly. it can't decide on a tone either. Sometimes it is a jaunty comedy. Yep. And then sometimes it's like a movie about race relations and prostitutes and drugs and Chris Sarandon. No, wait, was Chris Sarandon <laughs> no, in this one? That's, that's Collision Course. That's Collision Course. I mix up my racist buddy that's cop movies myself. the other racist myself. buddy comedy. Who the fuck was the bad guy in this one? Uh, nobody you know. No one. No one. That one. Yeah. But he was an ethnic, ethnically ambiguous guy, much the same as Chris Sarandon, <laughs> the Italian-Mexican in Collision Course. 
So yeah, that was Heart Condition, a hard movie to sit through, but a fun movie to talk about. Yeah. So check out that episode, uh, the movie, if you do want to watch it. It's available to stream for free on Vudu. That's a pay service yeah, where they are how, giving it for free. Regardless of how, sorry to cut you off, Dan, nope. but regardless of how bad these movies are, mm-hmm. we are fantastic. We're great. We are great. Yeah. You got no issues with us. No. Your problem's with the movie. In 20 years, when you listen to the podcast that breaks down our podcast, <laughs> they're going to have no complaints, baby. No. It's going to be a celebration. It's going to be just nonstop, like, yeah, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Why didn't you guys support these guys? <laughs> and it'll be done by our children. <laughs> so now let's move on to our question of the week. Usually these questions of the week, they surround what's the worst performance, what's the worst this, what's the worst that, worst award winner, worst this or that. And if you don't know, we try to tie it in a little bit to the movies that we're either previewing or reviewing. Yeah. But I also I think that the question we have this week it's a much different because it's about our favorites. Yeah. But I think it's also very personal and maybe it'll it's sort of a a Rorschach test. Uh, the question of the week: Who are your top five directors? And that's it. I thought of this because uh, last year uh, when I met with the San Francisco Film Critics Circle, we had our new member meeting, and we were all sitting down, and somebody asked this question: Surprise, surprise! Uh, a bunch of strangers who don't know each other that well, but are uh, tied together by this one unique thing, start talking about this one unique thing that they're uh, connected by. Big surprise. So we start talking about top five directors, but it's not put in any way of this is your Mount Rushmore of directors or this is your Desert Island directors or anything like that. It's this a real... who you're saying, go check out all their stuff. Yeah, it's however you want to define it. Sure. What do you define as your top five directors? How is this going to come out? And I think it's sort of, a, a sort of like a Rorschach test. It's an inkblot test. It's one of those things that... You ask me 365 days a year, I can come up with 365 different lists, but uh, we're going to come up with one list. True. That's today's list, and that's the list that's going on the record right I'm now. I'm not the same movie watcher I was 10 years ago sure. or 20 years and ago. And that affects your list. And exactly. it's all very personal and very subjective. That's just it. Is I, I can't put somebody on my top five list who I haven't seen many of their films or any of their films or something right. like that. So it's really about, it's a extremely personal kind of a thing. So Corky, let's talk about top five directors. We can start at five. You? Oh, did you rank yours? Sure. All right, go for number five. Um, so my number five, and I'm just going by personal preference. I'm going Billy Wilder. Great, great yeah. pick. So what it, what to you is your, your number one Billy Wilder movie? Favorite Billy Wilder movie would have to be Sunset Boulevard. And again, Absolutely. like sure. I said, the performances that he evokes out of people, just mesmerizing. Absolutely. And I think uh, this is what I was saying about a different list for a different day. If this was uh, Wednesday, if this was two weeks from now, I would probably have Billy Wilder on my list. Yeah. One time I would have Billy Wilder on my list. I'm probably not going to have him on my list. Who else do you have on your list? I also have, so if we're going in, in the order I have in my head, I have Wes Anderson. Okay. On there. I loved Rushmore. Rushmore was uh, fucking amazing to sure. me. I have a personal affinity for Bottle Rocket. I know it's not as technically as great of a movie. Royal Tannenbaums is fantastic. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Isle of Dogs. Uh, I tuned out a little bit of the Darjeeling. Sure. And the, Who didn't? The over-busy uh, Life Aquatic. Those kind of tuned me out. But his style, his technique, so significant signature mm-hmm. and unique wonderful i I'm, I'm engrossed by his movies fantastic who else you got uh you got to go spielberg is one of my el spielbergo yeah probably was my number one growing <laughs> up i haven't watched anything by spielberg since i i mean probably the terminal 
Oh, yeah. I that would that would stop anyone. I haven't seen anything <laughs> by Stewart, but he's earned enough cred with me and just had. I mean, he redefined directing to me for a whole generation. Absolutely. What's your number one Spielberg film? Just my number one. Oh, good question. That's, my I mean, number one Spielberg one. film. Got to be Schindler's. Schindler's List. Yeah, just an amazing film. So we've got Wilder. We've got Wes Anderson, Spielberg. Who else you got? Uh, the Coens. Coen Brothers. Fantastic yeah. pick. Uh, love the Coen brothers are so unique to me because I only dislike one movie of theirs. There's some that are, aren't my favorites, mm-hmm. but I only actively dislike one movie. What's that? Hudsucker proxy. Okay. Just yeah. never cared for it, but they're masters of the most simple thing. The shot reverse shot. They are masters of it. Mm. It pays off with dialogue. It pays off with setting and they do the shot reverse shot. So it's not, it's, you're only focused on the person delivering dialogue and you're only focused on reaction to dialogue or next delivery of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Watch it through Lebowski, watch it through Fargo, watch it through uh, Blood Simple. Even the, from from the beginning, they were masters at this. My number one has got to be Hitch. Hitch got great pick. Yeah. Hitch, I don't think any other director that I could think of has so many signature sequences, signature images, and you can tell even from the 30s, 39 Steps, Saboteur, through the 40s, he was using what was available technologically at the time in unique ways. And he reached his zenith in the 50s to mm. me and early 60s, just doing shit that was unprecedented with the style, with the format, with the technology that was available. Best Hitchcock movie. Bet's, my personal is Rear Window. Rear Window's yeah. a good one. It's just amazing. Pretty, pretty good. Another person who gets great uh, performances. But if you want to talk about signatures, think of how many Hitchcock things are aped and mm-hmm. are in the zeitgeist. Rear right. Window, Birds, Psycho. Yeah. Right? Uh, North by Northwest. Sure. There's so many homages to Hitchcock. He's the grandmaster to me. Good call. Good call. So Corky's top five again. That was Billy Wilder, Alfred Hitchcock, Wes Anderson, Steven uh, L. Spielbergo, and the Coen Brothers. Right. And if you caught me on – and Coen Brothers and then Hitchcock. And yep. then if you caught me on a different day, I'm kind of into a 50s thing right now. But Billy Wilder might get replaced by Kurosawa. There you go. You know, um, yeah. So there, that's my list. So for my list, I decided, again, because the thing I like about this is you can define it any way you want, any day that you want, however you want. Sure. I decided I'm going to cut out any living directors, any director whose career is still being uh, formed and and still taking shape. So that includes, like you said, Coen Brothers, Wes Anderson, also Scorsese, Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, Woody Allen, Roy Anderson, a lot of Andersons, Brian De Palma, Coppola, guys like that. So the five I did pick, I actually just narrowed it down to about a dozen, uh, but I wanted to have the freshness aspect of it, so I'm just going to look at my dozen. I'm going to pick five out of my dozen. So what do you think of that? Okay. It's called Keeping It Fresh. <laughs> it's called the tease. <laughs> it's called a fucking tease, biatch. One director who I would probably put on my list almost every day of the week, especially if you're, you're pulling out all of the Scorsese's and people like that, would be Charlie Chaplin. Okay. Who was, uh, I saw my first Chaplin movie when I think I was maybe 13 or 14 years old. It was City Lights, which is still my favorite Chaplin movie. And uh, I still just think he's an absolute genius and, and somebody who's really helped define comedy and, and cinema and how to, how to capture all those sure. things. So Charlie Chaplin, number one. Well, not number one. Number whatever. I'm not You don't, you don't have to rank him. Yeah, I don't got to rank him. You can you know, you uh, do what the you boss want. of me. 
for my next pick, I'm going to go with somebody who I've been watching a lot of his movies, especially in 2017. I decided I'm just going to go the completest route. I'm going to watch all this guy's movies that I haven't seen. So I've seen pretty much every Vincent Minnelli movie. Mm. Vincent Minnelli, who did a lot of work for MGM in the kind of classic studio era, 40s through the 60s. And uh, really well known for musicals like An American in Paris, which is great. But I love his dramas. I love Some Came Running. I love The Cobweb. I love these. Uh, Bad and the Beautiful is probably my favorite movie. I think he's just such an amazing stylist. And then when you're, he's able to apply that kind of musical aesthetic, these bright colors and these bold camera moves to a drama is, to me, really exciting nice. stuff. Next, I'm going to go with Howard Hawks. Yeah. He's pretty good. Sure. Classic after classic after classic, man. I mean, we're talking Bringing Up Baby. We're talking His Girl Friday. We're talking Rio Bravo. I could go on and on and on. But Howard Hawks essentially proven that he's the master of every genre. Western, crime with Scarface, comedy. He does it all. That's true. That's very good. You took uh, Hitchcock. So instead of Hitchcock, I'm going to go with another kind of classic American director. I'm going to go with John Ford. Okay. John Ford, uh, the legend creator, the print the legend guy, uh, man who shot Liberty Valance, The Searchers, which is, I would say, is probably my all-time favorite movie. Is that right? Yeah. To me, he is just, uh, he's the myth maker of Hollywood, but I think like there's always this very interesting uh, second level going on uh, where there's a commentary about it. And I think everyone sort of takes it at face value, but to me, there's a lot going on underneath the surface with John Ford, so... Then for number five, just because I want to take it outside the English language realm a little bit, I'm going to go with my favorite foreign filmmaker, which would be Yasujiro Ozu. Mm. Uh, the great Japanese director has a very uh, solemn contemplative style. I think I mentioned End of Summer as my favorite movie with summer yes. in the title. Yes. That was on episode, mini episode. You're going to replace that with numbers, right? Sure. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, Yasujiro Ozu, my favorite film, Tokyo Story. That's his legendary film. But he, from the silent era through the 60s, was really a a fantastic uh, Japanese director, made so many films, had a really clear and powerful vision. So it's somebody that uh, people should check out and really spend some time with. That's uh, amazing. Five decades. Four decades, whatever. So my five again, that was Charlie Chaplin, Vincent Minnelli, Howard Hawks, Yasujiro Ozu and John Ford, but we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. What are your top five directors of all time? And again, define that however you wanted to find that. Uh, so we'd be curious to hear that. So hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Dear Daniel Pod, and let us know your picks for top five directors. So we recently asked a question of the week for people on social media. Put it out on Twitter, on Facebook, on our social media. What are your best and worst fight scenes in movies that aren't built around fights? This was mini episode 30.5, I believe. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Daniel and I had our choices for movies, and we excluded movies like action movies and kung fu, boxing movies. Battle scenes and things like Battle that. Battle scenes, yeah. And you gave us some great replies that I'm going to read now. The You Watch, I Listen podcast, that's at You Watch, Listen, gave us some great replies, some that we also chose. They Live, hmm. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, which I would consider an action one, but they did reference the Eastern Pr- Promises Naked Bathhouse. There you go. Bad at Love podcast, that's at Bad at Love pod, gave us Atomic Bomb, the stairwell fight. Do you know that Atomic, atomic Blonde? A, they said Atomic Bomb. Has to be Atomic Blonde. 
I there like is the t- a big stairwell fight in Atomic Blonde. <laughs> but what if they're just making up a movie? Like they're they're screenwriting. This is guerrilla marketing for my movie Atomic Bomb. That's also gonna have a stairwell. I cannot fight. comment on your film Atomic Bomb. However, Atomic Blonde, yes, did have a very nice stairwell fight. The Unlucky Ones, that's at T-U-O underscore podcast, gave us your answer, the best answer, uh, Anchorman fight, and they give a gif of uh, Brick throwing a trident. (laughs) More Gooder Than Podcast, MGT Podcast, Captain Maria versus Otto in Wally. Captain McRae versus Otto in Wally. Oh, okay. They're both fighting for their idea of what the future of humanity will be. Can't get more epic than that. Wow, that's a really salient point on that. Sure. I didn't even think of that. So that's, that's awesome. the ship captain voiced by Jeff Garland and the uh, robot that's controlling the ship in Wally. In Wally, yeah. yeah. I love Wally. I love Wally too. I think we talked to, we'd say it's a, both our favorite Pixar Both our favorite movies. Pixar movies, yeah. Take At two that girls. Ratatouille, you bitch. Yeah, Ratatouille. What the fuck are you doing, Toys? You will rat Cars 3. At two girls on a beach podcast, they completely did not understand the criteria (laughs) and said anything from Kill Bill. I mean, I agree, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, great fight scenes, but kind of movie built on fight scenes. Uh, But we love you. Movie Geek and Proud podcast, that's MGNP podcast. Best, Best fight, Death Becomes Her. Uh, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn, Go- and they throw a she throws like a steak through a hole in her stomach or something. Yeah, like that. they, <laughs> that's, they, a, that's a good one. They have a gif of the scene where she puts a shovel on her head, descends into her <laughs> neck. They, but what I like, they did the worst fight, and they said the last showdown scene in the Covenant. Oh, I don't know the Covenant. Me neither. Where's the Covenant? Is it as bad as James Con missing a punch? Is it as bad as the Godfather? Nothing is. The movie has the worst fight choreography, and therefore it is bad. And we're going to go. Last one is a non-mom happy hour podcast. That's at non-mom happy hour. Really funny podcast. Said the best punks versus rednecks and SLC punk. The worst, the girl being assaulted in the pit in the original suburbia movie. It's just painful to watch and somewhat triggering. Also, one of my favorite movies is Green Street Hooligans for the fight scenes. Okay. I don't know any of those movies. (laughs) I know SLC punk. Right. Is Matthew Lillard. Suburbia. I don't know which suburbia she's. There's the Richard Linklater one, and then there's the 80s suburbia. Uh, what was the last one? Oh, Green, Green Street, Street Hooligans. That's a movie about uh, Elijah Wood as like a soccer hooligan. Oh, he's British, right? I. Uh, he's wannabe British? Maybe. So now we're going to read a few of your movie dares. You have been sending these to us at daredaniel.com. Go ahead and visit the website. Click that Submit a Dare button up there at the top and send us your movie dare. We'll read it on the show, and maybe we will do it a full review of it. What? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that change your life? It would. You. First dare comes to us from Ben Rice. Benny Ben Rice. Ben Rice hosts the Barley and Me podcast. That's a, a great name. Yes, it really is. A craft beer podcast. He goes around. He interviews uh, brewers and at the breweries. and Good show. So what does old Benny got for us? Benny's got Book of Love. Book of Love. Do you know Book of Love, Gorky? I do know Book of Love. You remember Book of Love because you were, had cable in the early 90s and it was probably on there nonstop. No, I remember Book of Love because I wrote the motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> you don't get his romantic. I was wondering who. You don't get it. I you... wondered through the magic of song and now I know. <laughs> you wondered who da, who, wah, who wrote the Book of Love. It was you. It was Corky McDonald. This film came out in 1990, directed by Robert Shea, who was the founder of New Line Cinema. 
Fun fact. Passion Project. <laughs> it stars Chris Young, Keith Coogan, and Josie Bizet, who would later be on Melrose Place. Why did Ben Rice dare us to watch Book of Love? He says, quote, there are so many incredible reasons to watch this 90s, 50s nostalgia piece. It taught me how to be a dad, for instance. Wow. But the Whoa. two selling points I'm going to give you are that I own this so you can borrow it and not lose any money. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and two, this movie contains footage of a future state representative with a candle in his ass. Do it! Fair enough. IMDb synopsis. A friend delivers... This is a really long synopsis. A friend delivers John Twiller greetings from a long-gone high school girlfriend. This makes him open his school's yearbook, his Book of Love. The Book of Love from the title. I wrote the motherfucker, Dan. And remember the old times way back in 1956, when you were born, when he was in his last year of high school and his family just moved into town. He hung out with geeky Paul Kane. Oh, gosh. And tried to get the attention of Lily, who unfortunately was together with Bully Angelo. So that is Book of Love. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, I have. It's awful. I've seen it several times. Really shitty. It's a dumb teen comedy, but with 50s nostalgia, which was a big thing in the late 80s, early 90s, was 50s nostalgia. He's right about that candle in the ass scene. I remember that being a very stark scene when I was 14 or 13, going like, holy shit, that guy had to sit there and have someone place a candle in his ass. Yeah. That guy's a state representative now? (laughs) That's what Ben Wright says. Actually, in some states, that is the requirement to be elected to representation. That's fair. You just put a candle in Absolutely. So that movie scarred you for life. Actually, I kind of liked it. You're into it. You're into it now. Eighth grade. That's why you like candles in the ass. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Ben Rice. Thanks, Ben. uh, Opening up the store into Quirky's Kink. Listen to Barley and Me, and also check out Ben Rice when he comes to your town doing stand up. Second dare we got today is from the Sanitation Workers of America. Wow. That's a big union. All of them. Yes. They all banded. We have to take this dare. This is a mass dare. I think in the quantity of darers to darees, this is our biggest one. Ben Rice is just one man. Yeah, Ben Rice is just one man. This is all sanitation workers in I don't know how big the Galactic Federation is. Is this the Americas? Is it just the United States? The great question. Is Canada involved? Because the numbers triple. Central America? Sanitation workers? Their dare is men at work. This is a 1990 movie written and directed by Emilio Estevez, also starring Emilio Estevez, as well as his brother, Charlie Sheen. Absolutely. Why did the sanitation workers of whatever Americas there are band together and dare us this movie? They say, the brothers Sheen Estevez star in a movie directed by none other than Emilio Estevez. The movie highlights the thankless job sanitation women and men do to keep your cities clean including, but not limited to, solving murders. There are some hijinks from these two and a subplot about a dream the two characters share. Hijinks? I heard my favorite word. Hijinks, wackiness. I love hijinks. Oh, are they wacky hijinks? They might be wacky. There might be random hooliganism all throughout this movie. I'm intrigued. There are some hijinks from... Dan's favorite word. From these two and a subplot about a dream the two characters share to quit their jobs. As if. Is the movie bad? Yes. Yes, it is. But how many movies out there show sanitation workers in such a positive light? (laughs) The IMDb synopsis, more succinct. Two garbage men uncover a conspiracy involving illegal toxic waste dumping and decide to bring the whole operation down. Have you seen the film? I have. Like it? I don't remember liking it. It's bad. It was pretty boring. Yeah. I saw it in 19... It's funny. Both of these are from 1990, these first two days. And I saw them both on cable when I was a kid in the early 90s. And yeah, this was pretty forgettable, as I remember. They were just 
two dumb garbage men and they had no ambition and yeah they uncover some scheme and what this yeah. was the time frame when my mom was taping every movie that came on cable so i think i had book of love and men at work on vhs so i could watch whenever i wanted for whatever reason <laughs> i watched book of love more than i watched men at work men sure. at work would just seem boring yeah keith david's in it which is pretty good or there david, you go. no david keith i always mix those two up yeah then i'm not into it <laughs> right yeah you had me at keith david you lost me at david keith Thank but you very much, sanitation workers. Thank of you, sanitation for workers, for all you do for our Americas. Yeah, they're coming through wormholes for us. Yeah, thank you for you. Our third and final dare comes to us from again. It's another wormhole dare. Yeah, and it comes to us from Mutt Williams. Hey, Mutt. Mutt is, uh, if you remember, he is the character played by Shia LaBeouf in <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which Mutt, he dared us. Mutt is actually, yeah, he's a repeat dare, longtime fan of the show, longtime fan Mutt. Mutt Williams. <laughs> What do you got for us this week, Mutt? Mutt has sequels. Just any? Just sequels. <laughs> like just sequels to movies. We get to pick? For example, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, Star. this is a double dare. Why do you want us to watch sequels? He says, you've mentioned more sequels to horror movies than originals. Mm-hmm. And that might be true. We were talking about how every horror movie has a thousand sequels, whether anyone watched it or cared <laughs> Exactly, about it or regardless They're, of merit. They make, they make them like six at a time. But uh, he says, there are many horrible sequels to good movies. Saw this and thought of you. And he sends us a link to a blog post from Business Insider. Our second one of those. Business Insider post. Yeah, the Business Insider post uh, inspired. uh, Transylvania. Transylvania. That's what it was. Yeah. Transylvania Dare, which was the biggest discrepancy between audience score and critic score. This is the 17 worst sequels to great movies. So using, I I can't remember if it was Metacritic or Rotten Tomato, but one of those critic sites, it's the largest discrepancy between an original film Mm -hmm. and its most hated sequel. Mm. And they come up with 17 of these. Corky, do you want to guess what is the number one? I know what my pick would be. What would it be? Godfather 3. Godfather 3, not on the list. That's ridiculous. Not on the list. Terrible movie. Number one. I don't one. care if it was nominated or if it did well at the box office. But it's not. It is a bad movie. Yeah. I agree. But we're we're going from like 97% versus 0%. Okay. Then let me say Shrek 3. <laughs> Shrek 3. No. Jaws the Revenge. Oh, yeah. Okay. Jaws the Revenge with Michael Caine. 97% for the original, which that's a little low, versus 0% for Jaws Revenge. <laughs> With Michael Caine, that was the fourth film. Others in the top five, The Sting 2. Yes. Speed 2, Cruise Control, Staying Alive, which is the sequel to These Saturday Night Fever. These are all Fever. obvious choices I should have made. And The Next Karate Kid, which is the 1994 film starring Hilary Swank. Other interesting ones later on in the list for our purposes. Caddyshack 2, which was your pick for that worst sequel. That was my sequel. pick for worst sequel. That was Question of the Week, episode 6.5. Check that out. Also, number 13 on the list, Exorcist 2, The Heretic which we reviewed in episode 25. So Mutt Williams wants us to watch more bad sequels along the lines of Jaws of Revenge, Sting 2, Speed 2, Staying Alive, and Next Karate Kid. Let me ask you this, Dan. Yep. What is the best sequel to a bad movie? Ooh, best sequel to a bad movie. Or let's just see what sequel far outweighs its predecessor. Holy fuck. That's a really fucking tough question. I know my pick. What's your pick? Austin Powers 2, Spy Who Shagged Me. The first one set up a premise, which paid off. Okay, that was pretty good. Second one, 
hilarious. Brought everybody back, expanded the world, gave us great characters, was more memorable than the first one, which, which established the character. Disagree. Ooh. I disagree. I don't have an answer to your question. I'll do some research and I'll come back okay. next week with a really good answer that will make your answer look puny and sad by comparison. Dan, did you book in teases? <laughs> did you just fucking take a tease to the next week? I'm teasing the tease. So maybe. Oh, he just did a <laughs> triple tease. He teased it. He teased the tease. Ugh. I'm a bit of a tease. So, and I'm kind of a prick. <laughs> Just do that. I'm there. not a prick tease, though. Oh, wow. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have for you on this Dare Daniel mini episode. Tune in next Tuesday. We'll have our review of Ishtar. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, hit us up on the website, daredaniel.com. Submit your dare. Hit us up on the uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's Dare Daniel Pod. Check out all of our back episodes as well. If you you know catch up, we got like a thirty episodes and thirty some mini episodes. So check it out. Absolutely, and please check out our website, DearDaniel.com. Leave us a reply and a message on there. Let us know what you're thinking about each specific episode, or just post Smash Mouth lyrics. I don't care. I'm just, into that. Yeah, we're gonna reply to you whether you do that or not. <laughs> no, actually, no. You have to do it for us to reply to you. But what you reply, <laughs> you <do it. laughs> we'll, we'll reply to that. Listen, we're going to reply to you. <laughs> You're getting replied. <laughs> Whether you op- you'd, you'd say anything to us or not, we're replying. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Before you even speak, we're going to be like, I knew you would say that. So just get ready for it. So for Dare Daniel Podcast, I'm Daniel Barnes. I'm Corky McDonald with a candy cane in my mouth. Our producer is Johnny Flores. See ya. Love you.